Holy Spirit, this is yours. Your word that you enlighten us with. And uh, we're asking that you would illuminate your word to us. Speak to us this evening in the few minutes that we have here. Jesus, we just declare again, you're the senior pastor of this church. You said that you would build your church. That's not our responsibility. Chuck was saying, it's not our, we're not trying to build numbers or anything like that. You build how you want to. We want to measure success the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 24. If you're there, shake your iPod or your phone or whatever it is. Rustle the... There you go. Oh, Bruce, you got the, you got the real deal, man. All right. Good. Last week, we talked about becoming the one, becoming the right one. So many people are looking, trying to find the one. When it comes to relationships, we've been in this series about uh, preparing um, for marriage, preparing for those covenant relationships that God would have for us if he's called us to be married. I believe that marriage is for most people, that God desires. That was the original mandate when you go back to Genesis chapter 2, chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, the original mandate. And so we, um, we encourage people to look toward marriage, to prepare, and our preparation is everything. So we talked about becoming the one is more important than finding the one, but finding the one is also important. Anybody who's found a good wife or a good husband, say amen. amen. Okay, finding the right one's important. We want to talk about that, finding the one. Um, it's more than just two people having common interests. It really takes be, becoming the right one in order to have the capacity to discern who the right one is. If you don't become the right one, it's pretty tough to discern whether or not the person you're trying to discern is the right one. And it's very important that we have the right ones around us to help us to discern the right one. How many have watched somebody trying to discern who the right one is, but they get it totally wrong and they don't have anybody around them to help them? It's called having somebody in your corner. We're going to read about that here in Genesis 24. We'll get into it. Another important thing is that it's not just a marriage between two people. I've seen two people miss it big time when they try and become come together in a relationship preparing for marriage and they don't realize that it's actually two families that are coming together. I, I realize that we have exceptions. We've got a lot of broken families in our day and age. This is not an exact formula. But God has a solution for every situation that we would ever come across. No matter how broken that situation is, He has redemption. He can heal. It says He takes the solitaire and He puts them in a family. You say, I don't have parents. I don't have those people. He's got a spiritual dad and mom for you. He's got spiritual brothers and sisters that can come alongside you. My parents are dead, whatever it is. Hey, no problem. You at least have, and the best, you have your Father in heaven who is very interested in being involved in this process called preparation for marriage. 
And so the key thing is that we need to work with a biblical starting point in order to get biblical fruit. If we don't have a biblical root, if we're not looking at this manual for life, and it very much speaks to how to prepare for marriage and how to form relationships, if we don't use this manual, we're not going to get Jesus' fruit. How many of you know Jesus has a bride that he's interested in? Very much. He's preparing her. She's preparing herself, getting herself ready. She's being washed by the what? By the Word of God. Yeah, that's what Paul says. Continually washing her. That's what Jesus is doing with the church. He's washing her. He's cleansing her. Our ch- the church today, raise your hand if you're part of the church. If you're part of the bride of Christ. If that's you, Jesus is washing you with the Word. He's taking the Word and, and he's, he's holding it up with our lives and he's, he's cleansing us. He's changing our mindsets the way that we think. You see, today in our culture, we see very clearly in much of the Western world as well. I'm telling you what, the Eastern world has got a lot of this stuff down. The roots that it has in terms of how it forms relationships, though very different from us. And we'd look at that and we say, oh man, I'm not really into that arranged marriage thing. Guess what? Every marriage is arranged. It's just a matter of who's doing it. Is it going to be you? Are you going to go solo and do the Lone Ranger thing? Or are you going to team up with God first and foremost and with the family that He's placed you in and the family of God that He's placed you in, the community around you to walk that thing out so that you can get Jesus' fruit? Because we need to be forming relationships the way Jesus is forming the relationship, His relationship with His bride. If we can follow some of those things, we're going to get some stuff right. This is not, again, an exact formula. What we're going to see here are great life-giving principles that are going to help us navigate this thing called forming relationships. I love it. I love it. Preparation determines what? Okay? In a race, in in a journey, revelation determines what? The destination. When you're building something, we talked about the importance of construction and proper foundation. When you build something, preparation determines what? Elevation. How high, how strong you can build. Think about a marksman. How many of you have ever done some shooting before? You've looked down the barrel of a gun or through the scope. You know what? A little tiny bit at 20 yards doesn't make a whole lot of difference. I mean, it's not going to be off by that far. But when you're talking about 500 to 1,000 yards, slightly off. Chuck, come on. Slightly off. I actually took great humor in a former Navy SEAL talking about yuckies to a former uh, Army Ranger. I thought that was great language that he used. Man, that was great. I loved it. Back to what I was talking about, though. Sorry, I just caught Chuck over here on the side. But here here we have, we're looking out ahead. If we're off in our trajectory by just a little bit, you're off by, you know, you shoot, miss it by, uh, aim this much off, you're off, you're going to miss the target completely. And we're talking about marriage, which is one of those 100,000 yard shots. We want to make sure that we're on, that we're building a strong foundation we understand 
the goal biblically, the purpose biblically of relationships and marriage. Otherwise, we miss the mark. Are we redeemed? Absolutely. Forgiven? Absolutely. Major consequences? Yep, they still apply. Anybody resemble that comment? Absolutely. We have to live with the consequences. It's not just, you know, oh, we just do these, you know, certain things and it's not that big of a deal. The choices that we make now are going to cost one way or the other. Good intentions do not always equate to good results. Happiness is killing our nation right now as a goal. I've got to say it, Thomas Jefferson missed it in the Declaration of Independence when he helped write that and he put in there, and the pursuit of happiness. Whoa, you're going against Thomas J? Wait a second. I am. Because, you see, God is not interested in your happiness. Uh oh. He said, be holy as I am holy. He's interested in our holiness. Not our happiness. He's interested in you having joy that lasts. In spite of circumstances that we face, joy will sustain us. Happiness comes and goes. It it hits us like waves. If we're trying to ride the happiness roller coaster, it's what a life. That's not good. To tell you the truth, the ultimate goal of, if happiness is our ultimate goal, that produces actually sociopaths. Me, myself, and I, that is the most important thing in my life. And it is an idol that must be torn down in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. I should read you a quick scripture here from Philippians chapter 3. It says, For I've told you often in verse 18 before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. Man, you can see Paul's heart just breaking. He's speaking here, writing to Philippi, these believers here. And again, he's talking about church, talking about believers here. That there are many whose conduct, their lifestyle, their behavior shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Their future is eternal destruction. Their God is their appetite. Their God is happiness. They brag about shameful things and all they think about is this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus lives and we eagerly are waiting for Him to return as our Savior. Amen. That rocks. Please keep in mind as we're going through this story in Genesis chapter 24, Is God hiding something from me or is he saving something for me? Is God, is God trying to trick me? Is he trying to hide something from me or is he saving something for me? Again, this is the great deception that Eve faced in the garden. That God was not good. principles that we find in this story in terms of forming relationships, preparation for marriage, apply to every single person, no matter your age or your place in life. 
at some point in time, we must be able to either walk through this process ourselves or help someone else walk through this process. I want you to keep in mind as we get in here in chapter 24 of Genesis, do we form relationships like God does? In this story, you're going to see here, and scholars um, see this story as pointing toward the Trinity. The different characters are in this. We have Abraham, the father, represents Father God. We have Isaac, his son, represents Jesus Christ. And we have the chief servant, who is whom in the Trinity? Holy Spirit. Watch how they're going to orchestrate this relationship. It's powerful to watch. I love it. Abraham, verse 1, was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Okay, Father Abraham, and man, he says, okay. God blessed him, didn't he? Was he a perfect man? No way. Was he a man of faith? Oh, the father of our faith. This man was blessed upon blessing, upon blessing, upon blessing. When I see someone like Abraham and the way that he walked things out with his kids, I sit up and take notice. This is a blessed man. I think he sees something that we need help in seeing. Not only that, but Father and Jesus and Holy Spirit intricately weaving themselves into this story. They're saying, hey, take notice. There's some gold in here for you. Abraham was very old, blessed in every way. One day Abraham said to the man in charge of his household, who was his oldest servant, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not let my son marry one of these local Canaanite women. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a girlfriend there for my son Isaac. That's oh, interesting language, isn't it? Hmm. Find a girlfriend. Why do you think that Abraham didn't grab Isaac, say, Son, I want you to go back to our homeland and find yourself a girl? Don't you think it's interesting that he sends the servant who'd been around all Isaac's life had helped raise him and he's sending him back instead of his son. This is countercultural to the way that we do things. What do we do? Son, daughter, go out and find yourself a mate. Go to college. Try it out. Check it out. Explore. Discover. See if you can figure it out. You're on your own. I would say that Abraham understands the way that a man is wired. That he didn't want Isaac to be blinded by beauty. He wanted him to be captured by character. And he knew that the chief servant, who knew him, knew his heart, knew his son, was a man who was captured by character. He would look for the right things. So, Go and find a girlfriend for my son Isaac. Is that what he said? No, he says, go and find a wife. I think it's interesting, I find it interesting anyway, the different types of women that are described in Scripture. Females. 
different types of females. Help me out with them. What's what's one? Um, types of females, not names necessarily. A mother, a daughter, a grandmother, a wife, a prostitute. Yep, concubine, or a few of them. Uh, we did not say a virgin. Okay? It's in this story too. Who are the two types of relationships that we find sexual expression involved with or what we would describe as a romantic relationship? In the, those ones that we, just, that we pointed out there, those types of females. Wife, prostitute, concubine. Which one is existed prior to the fall? Wife. Hmm. And find a wife there for my son Isaac. It's interesting that Abraham, blessed man, he's not looking for a girlfriend for his son. You see, we're raising future men. That trajectory, what are we aiming at? Well, we're aiming at are young men becoming husbands, becoming fathers, becoming... Okay, those things we could also say, what, what kind of men in the Bible, um, males do we see described there? We're looking for men to become protectors, selfless lovers. That's what we're looking at for our men. It's what I want for my own sons. So if I'm raising future men, even though my sons are boys now, how should I prepare them? Multiple girlfriends? Hopes that he would be faithful to one person? How does that work in every, any other area of life where we practice one way completely contrary and yet expect a different result? So, verse 5, the servant asked, but suppose I can't find a young woman who will travel so far from home. May I, may I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives? Oh, heck no. we got an exclamation point after this one. Abraham warned, be careful never to take my son there. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my offspring. Okay. What is Abraham saying is the most important part of the formation of this relationship toward covenant marriage. What is the most important thing? What did he just say there? God solemnly promised to give this land to my offspring. You see, the covenant that God made with Abraham, the covenant that God potentially can make with every father and mother, Every husband and wife. There is a covenant that has been passed down from Abraham through Christ to us. That what we're saying here is our covenant with God is more important. It transcends anything. God's glory is more important than anything else. This is not about me finding someone that I just think makes me feel good. Has very neat common interests like I do. That is not the transcendent factor in Scripture when it comes to preparing for marriage. Finding a wife or finding a husband. 
So he will send his angel ahead of you. Oh, I love this. What's the highest level of scene? Remember, we talked about it last week. What's the highest level of scene? We talked about John going up and seeing something in the spirit. The highest level of scene is not with these eyes, the Bible tells us. The highest level of scene is revelation. Seeing after the spirit that God actually will show us who it is that we're called. We have to become the one. We're also looking for the one that he has picked out. We're going to look at it here in just a second. Going through this quickly. The angel of the Lord will go ahead of you and he will see to it that you find a young woman there to be my son's girlfriend. Oh, wife, sorry. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you're free from this oath. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. Why? He's calling us to live by faith and not by sight. Does it mean we're not supposed to look at the person we're going to marry? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about some spiritual principles here that must be intact in us becoming the one learning to trust the Lord, learning to trust our parents. Where is Isaac in this whole deal? He represents Christ. What did Jesus say? I only do what I, only do what I see my father doing. He's working in his father's home, on his father's land, in the father's business. He's going about doing what the Father has called him to do. I wish we had time to unpack all this. We could spend a week on this. So, the servant took a solemn oath that he would follow Abraham's instructions. He loaded ten of Abraham's camels with gifts and set out, taking with the best of him everything his master owned. He traveled to a faraway land, back to the homeland. There the servant made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the village. Here she comes, you guys. It was evening and the women were coming out to draw the water. Who do you have in your corner? A fighter is a fool if he ever goes into the ring without a corner. That's what they call the trainers. That's what they call those those guys who are there with him, who are coaching him, saying, come on, you can do it. Who's in your corner? Who's fighting for you? Who's looking for you? You're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I need some help discerning who the right one is. And I need some help discerning, am I the right one yet? Can you help me? Can you speak into my life? Would you be a spiritual father and mother to me? Could I be part of your family and spend time with you? God always provides. So, the girls come out. Oh Lord, God of my Master, He prays. What's the highest level of seeing? Revelation. Give me success and show kindness to my master Abraham. Help me to accomplish the purpose of my journey. See, here I am standing beside the spring and the young women of the village are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them for a drink. If she says, yes, certainly, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have appointed as Isaac's girlfriend, I mean wife. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Hmm. Did you notice that? Let her be the one. This is such a beautiful story. God, how will I know? You guys, I remember in my own quest of trying to search out and find a wife. I remember February of 1997 took the month of February to pray and fast. And I just said, Lord, I, you're awakening in my heart to pray for who it is that you've called me to marry. 
I'm asking, Lord, help me to see because I don't know. And I asked the Lord for a sign. I said, there's all these amazing gals out here. How do I know who the one is that you have for me? Isn't that what we want? We want God's choice. Now, here's the reality in that before I finish the story about myself. The one that we marry is the one. God doesn't make mistakes because He's interested in Christ's likeness being shaped and formed in you, and He's going to do that through the one that He chooses. It's not about your happiness. It's about your holiness and your Christ-likeness. And He's going to use your husband and wife to bring that about in your life, His purposes. Praise God and oh my. (laughs) Woo! That is not always easy. As he was still praying, a young woman named Rebecca arrived with a water jug on her shoulder. Her, her father was Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. I love how she is described right there. And Rebecca came out. She was the daughter of. This is the way that a young lady should be identified by who her father is. He may not be the greatest man. He may not be a man of character. But is she coming under His protection and His guidance? That is so powerful. Can it be said of you? You know, it was Tiffany and she came out. Daughter of Lauren. Why? Because there's a connection. There's a strong relationship between them. You want that powerful protection and covering. It's not about control. It's about covering. What are you identified? Oh, there's so-and-so. Yeah, I don't know who she's connected with. She's out there with all kinds of guys. That's not the way we want to be identified. Now, Rebecca was very beautiful. Oh, shoot. And she was a virgin. There you go. She was a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. Isn't it interesting that they would point that out? That's something to be valued. It is a gift from God. Our virginity to be able to give as a gift to our future spouse. That is a gift. Let me just say this. That is not limited to going all the way. We could break that down and go into Scripture and, and talk about that. But that is not, when Paul talks about fornication and stuff, he's not just talking about going all the way. I'm being sensitive right now. Let the Lord give us wisdom in these areas. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again, running over to her. The servant asked, Please give me a drink. Certainly, sir, she said, and she quickly lowered the jug for him to drink. When he had finished, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too. He's like, Oh, yeah. I think this is the one. Until they have had enough. So, watch this. She quickly emptied the jug into the watering trough. This is some dude she just met. And ran down to the well again. This woman is not only a woman of beauty, but immediately you see the character of this woman coming out. She, doesn't, she knows how to do something she's told, but she already has developed in her a servant's heart. 
not only will I do that, I'm going to go the extra mile. Is there anything else you need? Can I help you? Hospitality was a big deal back in this day. But this girl's going above and beyond the call of duty. Immediately. These are the things. And notice, it's out in kind of a marketplace context. This isn't away on a date. And of course, the servant isn't after her. But he's watching. He would know, right? If she was like playing games with him. Like, hey, what's up, big fella? What you got going on? No. She's serving. She's giving of herself. She's a minister. Ministry is her main virtue here. She ran down to the well again. She kept carrying water to the camels until they had finished drinking. The servant watched her in silence. This is such an important part of the relationship forming process is watching and waiting and holding back and being patient not to engage too early. A young man needs to get good at this. He needs to be trained by his father or spiritual men in his life to watch and wait and observe. In a context like church, in a context like school, watch and wait. Look for the character to come out. If it doesn't come out, if the character of Christ doesn't come out in that person, keep looking. She's not the one. He's not the one. If Jesus and His words and His life and His virtue is not coming out of someone just in normal conversation, they're not the one. They're not the one you want to shoot the you know a hundred thousand mile shot with. It's not the the person you want to go all the way into covenant marriage with. Be able to discern. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not she was the one the Lord intended him to meet. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he gave her a gold ring for her nose and two large bracelets for her wrist. Check out the question he asks here in verse 23. Whose daughter are you? He knows how to... Oh, nobody owns me. Nobody's got control of my life. I'm 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 just a single woman. I'm on my own. That is a dangerous woman. Turn around and walk the other direction. Whose daughter are you? Who are you connected with? Whose family are you a part of? What community do you join with? Would your father have any room to put us up for the night? Why? My father is Bethuel. See, he understood something. The proper doorway to any young lady's heart is her father or her spiritual father. That is it, period. We want to teach our young men to pursue the heart of a father because that's what they're going to do in life with God. That's what they're going to do. They're going to pursue the heart of the father just like Jesus is. And we're interested in being Christ-like. That's why he asked, who's the father? Young men, go after the dads. You want the way to her heart? Go after the dad. Win his heart. And he will teach you how to win the heart of his daughter. Oh, I love that. Oh, it gives me chills. Because the father who is involved and should be involved in the life of every young woman is Father God. You see it right from the beginning. Father God right there orchestrating the coming together of Adam and Eve. 
you see right here orchestrating the coming together of Isaac and Rebekah. My grandparents, I love it. My father is Bethuel. My grandparents are Dean and Sue Hale. My grandparents are Kumar and Lisa Sinclair. My grandparents are John and Joanne Nystrand. Man, we're connected. See, there's a generational vision coming in here. They're not just living for themselves. They're living for the generations. You want to know that the generations are in someone's heart. The man fell down to the ground and worshipped the Lord. Verse 26, praise the Lord. The Lord has been so kind and faithful to Abraham, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. Now, we're not talking about marrying cousins, okay? Just, just make sure that's clear right up front. The young man ran home. The young woman ran home to tell her family. And this is exactly where a young woman should go. When she's approached by a man, she should go straight to the family. Straight to the family. Woman ran home to tell her family. She didn't go talk to her girlfriends. Oh, my word. All the gals were right around the well right there. She couldn't have just like, oh, you guys, guess what? No, she went home to the source of protection to her family and told them all that had happened. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban. Laban rushed out to the spring. He's like, you bringing this up with my sister? We're about to have words. Yeah, you want your brothers involved. Abigail, you want William involved as a protector. Watching out for you. You know, for William, for Samuel. You know, he's saying, if you're going to try and go after my sister, you got to go through me and my dad. Bring it. Any young man who is willing to go through a gauntlet, so to speak, of a father, a grandfather. That's the way this woman is identified. The other day, this girl, uh, some guys have been messaging Trinity, you know, and, she, and uh, she, she just said, you know, she texted him back and she's like, hey, my, my dad asked me not to communicate with guys over, you know, iMessage and, and whatever. So, say la vie, dude, we're done. You want to talk to me at school? That's cool. She tried to give him, you know, he asked her to go out sometime and she's like, yep, here's my dad's number. He hasn't called me. Gee, I wonder why. Well, man, you're, that's kind of harsh. Don't you think he's maybe afraid of you? I hope so. Because the guy who's the right guy won't be afraid at all. He is not going to have any fear. Because he knows that he has become the one. Seriously. He will be so infused with faith. When it came time for me to pursue Lisa, I was so full of faith because I had heard from the Lord. I wish we had time to go into it. We don't. I wish that... Um, but when, when I came to meeting with her dad, it was like, hey, dude, this is what's going on. This is what God has spoken to me. Here's all the things that I see in your daughter. Here's the things that I've been pursuing. Here's goals that I have in life. Here's where I'm at with school. Here's where I'm at with um, calling and vision and all this. It's like... Dude, I'm just telling you, I've got the stuff. And I'm here to pursue your daughter. 
And that's exactly what happens in this story. I'm going to fast forward just a little bit. The servant sits down with the family, with Bethuel and Laban, and he says, listen guys, this is what my father, this is what my, um, you know, Abraham, my master has told me to do. I'm coming for the, for the wife, for his, for his son. They sit down and he begins to download to them everything. This is how I saw it. I, I saw it according to Revelation. It wasn't just that your daughter's incredibly beautiful. I saw the character and this was the litmus test that I went through to discern whether or not she was the one. And the angel of the Lord has been with me. God has been with me in this. You know what they said? What can we say to this? Check it out. Look over here. And when I... Um, Laban and Bethuel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here. So what can we say? They were infused with faith. They knew that God was in this. So they said, verse 57, well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. I love that God included this because here's the deal. Holy Spirit doesn't force himself on anyone. Holy Spirit, God, Father God, Jesus is a gentleman. We've got these funky ideas that have been passed down through pagan cultures about controlling fathers just, you know, selling their daughters for camels and donkeys and, you know, all this kind of thing. Right here we see, well, let's go ask the princess herself. Rebecca, are you willing to go with this man? They asked her and she replied, yes, I will go. Can you hear the response of the bride of Christ to Jesus? Yes, I will go. I will go. True faith, trusting God, the willing heart. You know what? That didn't happen in that moment. That happened through years of preparation, years of character development, years of saying no to self and trusting her parents and trusting God. To be able to say yes at that moment when God was trying to come together and join together a man and a woman that would enter into His covenant and His purposes and His glory in the earth. It is God's destiny that we get to be a part of. This is not about us finding our destiny. Finding ourselves. That is the biggest bunch of garbage. It is about us being found by Jesus. Being developed in, in, in character and virtue by Jesus. Anything to do with self, it's not in Scripture in terms of a goal. Happiness. Oh, there's so much here. Let's finish it up. Rebecca and her servants, verse 61, mounted the camels and left with Abraham's servant. Meanwhile, Isaac had returned. He looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted this. Who is this man walking through the fields to meet us? It's my master. So Rebecca covered herself with a veil. When our culture, in order to attract somebody of the opposite sex, particularly our young ladies, are caught up in the idea that if I take more off, then I will attract more. If I wear it tighter, that's the way that I'll get the attention of the man that I'm looking for. I love the virtue and character of this woman when she knew this is the guy she's going to marry. 
This is Isaac coming. What does she do? She covers herself. This is so powerful. And the culture is taking more off. A godly woman attracts with purity, with honor, with character, and with her countenance. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent and she became his wife. And he loved her very much. Would you stand with me? So basically, the conclusion we've come to today is that in order to get married, all you need is a tent, right? (laughs) Just a nice tent and you're good to go. Coleman will do fine. No, that's not obviously what we're saying. In order to find the right one, we must become the right one. We must have the right ones around us. Who is in our corner? And it's so good. It's so good. It's right here. And that to understand and know and trust that God is not hiding something from us. He's saving something for us, someone for us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we give You ourselves. Help us to take the steps. We just say, wherever we're at today, whatever we've done Today, Your mercies are new and that we get to start over. Whatever wrong choices we have made, sinful choices, right now, Holy Spirit, would You come and just show us where You want to make us like Jesus, that that we would form relationships like You. Purify us with Your Word that we would become the one that You desire, Lord. Where happiness has been our goal and and an idol in our life, may holiness take its place and displace self. In Jesus' name, Amen.